Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Robert alongside co-host Stephen Kerr with the Texans Colts postgame show. And Stephen, I don't know if I've ever been as frustrated with the Texans game. I mean, it felt like they were almost trying to lose this game, that they had money uh, on the Colts or something. I don't know what was going on, but it was just like everything that you could do wrong and screw it up, they were doing. Well, I know, and it's frustrating, really, because they were they were moving forward. They had two great wins in a row. It's almost as if the Texans take two steps forward and one step back. I, I understand that frustration, but honestly, Robert, as I look at the game from the big picture, I'm actually amazed that the Texans only lost by seven points. Well, the, the final score was 30 to 23, but I have to tell you, it just didn't seem as close as that. So many mistakes, especially on the defense, with all the the, the defensive penalties and, and several of them gave the Colts new life after the Texans had held on third down. As frustrating as that is from a defensive standpoint, we do have to remember that the secondary is now almost becoming the way the offensive line has been off and on over the past couple of years, riddled with injuries. I, I think, you know, the, you had a lot of guys in there that wouldn't normally be in or, or at least haven't had a lot of playing time. So it it is frustrating, but I kind of have to give a pass at least a little bit to the defense. Now, the offense had, had its moments, but I don't know. It just seemed like a lackluster performance all the way around for the Texans, who really had a chance to be in the driver's seat in the AFC South if they'd won today. Yeah, the defense was just the, – the, your secondary was riddled. You, you lost three of your four main guys. I mean, Jonathan Joseph – comes back finally, but he goes out in the first quarter, second drive with uh, what looked like a a shoulder penalty or a shoulder injury of some sort. Uh, You know, you got to Sean Gibson aggravates his back injury in the first drive. Uh, Joseph actually, yeah, it was first quarter. He goes out. So now you've got no Bradley Roby, who you badly missed, of course, with T.Y. Hilton doing his T.Y. Hilton stuff against the Texans. But you're missing three-fourths of your starters in the secondary, and then your backup started getting hurt. I mean, Keon Crossing goes down late in the game. Philip Gaines looks like uh, carted off the field, probably done for the season. That was a real bad-looking injury. But, I mean, yeah, the defense, the secondary was just gobbled up. And, you know, the one thing you were concerned about coming into the game defensively was how are you going to do against the Colts' running attack? And everybody was talking about that. They got this great rushing attack and everything. But uh, it just like the Colts said, no, we see that you're injured in the secondary. You're banged up. We can beat your secondary. And they were just converting third down after third down after third down, Stephen, uh, because of that. And, and only getting 2.4 yards per carry on the ground. Yeah, the Texans certainly did stop the running game, but it it was smart play calling by the Colts, knowing what they were up against on the defensive side. But, of course, as I mentioned, now a number of those third-down plays, the Texans actually held them, but either a defensive holding, pass interference, some kind of penalty would give the Colts new life. So, you know, there is some of that to go along with it that just added to the many mistakes that the Texans made. And then, of course, The defense did come up with a big uh, turnover early with the fumbled snap, but all the Texans could get out of it was a field goal. So the offense kind of squandered some chances to score some touchdowns, and they ended up with field goals. I mean, who would have thought we're we're actually going to praise Kaimi Fairbairn after we've just ripped him the last several weeks because of all the missed extra points 
and field goals, but he was actually a bright spot today. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's not a whole lot of bright spots. And you talked about the offensive line last year and, and the injuries. Now you're looking at injuries this year because Kelamete, one of the guys that you relied on as a backup and could play multiple positions, he's injured at the moment. So a guy named Dan Skipper is brought in as a tackle, and he's tackle eligible because you also have Titus Howard out, so Roderick Johnson is playing. Well, Roderick Johnson throughout the game is getting bulldozed. The two sacks in the first half were on Roderick Johnson, but then Dan Skipper comes in and doesn't report. They have two illegal formations in a matter of three plays, Stephen, which kills the first drive. Yeah, I killed the first drive. And I, I honestly, I didn't like that play call when, when Skipper reported in. But, of course, part of that, I think, was on Skipper that he didn't make it obvious to the referee that he was reporting no. in as an eligible receiver. Now, isn't there a gesture you have to, uh, what is it, touch your jersey a certain way? Or it's some kind of gesture that the referee has to recognize. And the referee even said he never saw it. Well, the next time that Skipper checked in, I guarantee you he made sure the ref saw it. So part of that was on Skipper where that play blew up. Yeah, I, I'm not sure because they didn't say what happened in the first illegal formation. I don't know if that was Skipper on the first illegal formation, but the second one was definitely on him because the refs called him out on that one. So, yeah, I, I don't know how you have two of those in three plays. I mean, you've got to get that corrected. I mean, that's to me, that's a lot of that's coaching. I mean, you could go, well, we just brought this guy in, but if you're going to do that in his one job, if he's playing at all, is to come in there as a tackle eligible. He's got to know how to do that. And you saw like him kind of wave. He did a little wave when he came in the second time. And they, I could see that on, on some video. But, you know, you've got to make it really obvious because you don't want to screw something like that up. Like This is something that could cost you a ball game. And that, that cost you the first drive. The second drive, they they punt near midfield on offense. And, 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 the, and the Texans offense just you know shot themselves in the foot over and over again because then they get the ball after uh that fourth down stop and so you got the ball in great territory and then there was just a terrible set of plays you had a tunsil and a sharping penalty a tunsil with two penalties in the game and and in, in the midst of all that you have the deshaun sack so that ends up being a 47 yard field goal then the next drive you get the ball on the four-yard line because of the Colts fumbling the ball on a snap. And then Deshaun, you know, the the, the big play where, where he gets sacked on third down, the in the grasp. And I know fans are upset about it, but it, it was the definition of an in the grasp. You had a guy wrapped around Deshaun's leg. Now, personally, Stephen, I think this is like a ridiculous rule because – I mean, you're you're tr- supposedly trying to protect the quarterback with the with these in the grasp penalties, but the, the quarterback's still going to get hit. I mean, the game happens so fast; he's still going to get hit. It, it's still a potential that uh, likelihood that something bad could happen, no matter what you do as far as blowing the whistle there. And usually, when they blow the whistle, nobody hears it because they're still trying to get the quarterback because it looks like he's not down. Well, that's right. And honestly, a lot of the time, the officials are going to err on the side of protecting the quarterback. And, you know, if it's against the other team, it's fine. If it's against yours, it's not fine. And of course, I hear discussion from time to time. Why can't the officials realize that Deshaun is a mobile quarterback as opposed to someone who isn't and call it? They're they're not going to call it like that. 
They're going to call it according to whatever they feel the interpretation of the rule is and what the play is. And that's just that's simply what happened with in, in Watson's case on that play. I mean, that that argument to me is like, well, why didn't the cop not stop the person? Because he looks like such a nice person, even though he was speeding. I mean, I <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's a good that's a good analogy. I mean, do you think they should get rid of this rule? I yeah, I don't know. They, there's so many of these rules that they've come up with. It's it's like a knee jerk. They go maybe the other direction. Uh, but then if you don't, then somebody's going to get clocked and then you're going to be calling for the rule. So I, I don't know if there really is a clear answer to a rule like that. But, uh, you know, that uh, as the years have gone by, these rules have gotten more and more where you, you practically can't even touch the quarterback even a fraction of a second after he releases the ball. Then there's that. So, yeah, it's a very complicated issue. Okay, the fifth drive, eight play, 67-yard drive, great two-minute drill all the way till they get to inside the 20-yard line. And again, for the third straight time, they're inside the 20-yard line, they're in the red zone, and they have to settle for a field goal. Part of this, Stephen, is they got inside the red zone, and this is what Bill O'Brien was doing all day. He, he would get away from Carlos Hyde. He was scared of going to his bread and butter Carlos Hyde. But the other thing was, when you get in the red zone, somehow, you know, I want to see Deshaun Watson where he's more freed up to run the football at, at that point because that's one of his great skills. And it felt like it was just these very old-fashioned, in-the-pocket plays with Deshaun Watson when they were in the red zone. So there was no threat of Carlos Hyde. And, and you're also, you know, not getting Deshaun Watson maybe out of the pocket into his element. Well, the first thing that raised my eyebrows, Robert, was on the very first possession that uh, Duke Johnson was getting the ball at the beginning. But I think clearly, you know, the, the Texans were not running the ball nearly as well today as they had been the previous two weeks. I mean, at the end of the first half, Deshaun Watson was your leading rusher with 21 yards. That tells you right there the running game wasn't working practically the entire game. I mean, Hyde kind of got on track a little bit with a couple of runs in the second half. You know, Duke Johnson made a few, but overall the running game – it it just when the running game shuts down, it seems that the rest of the offense just can't find its way, and the running game clearly was not working today. I don't know. I see this throughout Bill O'Brien's career, where the running game doesn't work early, and it's immediate abandoning of the running game. You're going to have some bad plays. It's not always going to start off the game where you're picking up five, six, ten yard chunks. You know, I think it's something that you you need to go back there to doing that, and also you've got. A, a, a right tackle, Roderick Johnson, that's not that good. You need to get the defense a little bit off balance. And remember, I mean, as we know, Steve, we talked about it. I mean, the Texans didn't play good defenses the last couple of weeks. This defense is a, a light years better than what they've been playing. Oh, they're very good. And, you know, what's interesting is last week in Kansas City, when the Texans got behind early, they didn't abandon the game plan. They didn't abandon the running game. They stuck to it. It worked. But yeah, like you said today, it's almost like they threw it away a little too early and just said, well, that's not going to work. But yeah, clearly the Colts defense is a whole lot better than the Chiefs defense. Okay, so second half, you start off with the five-play 75-yard drive, a little option pitch to Kiki QT for the four-yard touchdown. Big play, Deshaun Watson to Kenny Stills, who had a couple of big plays in this game. And then the next drive, two, play, two bad plays on third and fourth and one. And I didn't like either one of these play calls, Stephen, because I'm going to go back to it. Hyde was gaining steam. He had picked up a couple of big chunk yardage. They get to third and one. 
They didn't give him the ball or even pretend to give him the ball either time. And then on fourth down, Sharping gets beat badly. And Deshaun's got to try to get rid of the ball. And he was immediately looking, I guess, for DeAndre Hopkins, as they showed in, in replay. But he was double teamed. So, you know, Deshaun didn't pick up what the defense was going to do at that point. And Sharping didn't help you out because he basically, the guy ran around him. I mean, it was, it, for a left guard, it looked really bad. But I, I didn't like the play call at all. Yeah, I didn't either. But what it sounds like, Robert, as we're talking about this, uh, as opposed to the last couple of weeks, that a lot of this was as much on the offensive line, just, uh, you know, not being in sync again. You know, we got a couple of guys out. Yeah, that's that's part of it. But a lot of it was on the line today, as much as you would say it was on Watson or O'Brien for the play call. Oh, there was times where I, I thought last couple of weeks, Deshaun was getting rid of the ball quickly. His decision-making wasn't that good. His rhythm wasn't good. Some of his throws were off. He just seemed off the entire day. I mean, the numbers might say he looked okay, but in real in the real world, I didn't think he looked good. Specifically, let's go to the next possession because he throws the interception. He has, you know, plenty of time to throw. Then all of a sudden, the pressure comes. It's going to come eventually, and he panics with the throw, and he makes a terrible decision, and it's an interception. Yeah, there are still spots where there are sometimes Watson, you know, he'll hold the ball, the receiver's not open, and he'll just take off. And then there are other times where he holds it too long and he tries to make a play, and that's when you see the pick. So I I still think he's trying to figure it out, especially when a play isn't developing quite the way he either planned it or thinks it should, and he has to make a split decision, and it costs him. So the the, the drive after that, they go down, no problem, six plays, 79 yards, Another, you know, great big catch by Kenny Stills, uh, who's back, of course. And then they had the four-yard touchdown from Deshaun to DeAndre Hopkins uh, to end the drive. And then the next drive, they get pinned way deep. Uh, Great punt. Uh, Their punter, better than the Texans punter. And I'm going to get to Brian Anger again. I've got some anger on anger once again. (laughs) But, uh, you know, last drive, Deshaun with the interception. Uh, this was QT bobbling the ball, and and basically that ends up in the interception. But also, you know, the pass was a, a difficult one for QT to catch. He's not a big guy. He's got to kind of reach for it. He gets both hands on the ball, but, I mean, just barely. And then the ball drops, and then QT, uh, that the second time, he's got to catch it. And then that's where he just can't catch it. But he keeps it up in the air, and they get the interception. Uh, it's, it's I don't know. I mean, it's, it, that's one of those deals where you would have liked having a Will Fuller on the field uh, instead of Kiki QT because that's who would have been on the field maybe in, in that situation. And and Will Fuller, as we know already, Stephen, uh, I think there's uh, written in the NFL rule book that the Texans are not allowed to have Kenny Stills, Kiki QT, DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, – you know, Will Fuller on the field all at the same time. Boy, it sure seems that way. I mean, you get Stills back. That's a plus. He's made he made some great plays today. But then Will Fuller goes out early. What what was it? The first possession that he left the field. It was definitely early in the game. And you'll never guess what the injury is. It, it couldn't possibly be a hamstring, could it? Yes, it could. So, yeah, it just it, it's like again, it's a one step forward, two steps back thing that I talked about. You get Stills back, but then Fuller goes back out. So you still don't have your full complement of receivers out there. 
Does our training staff need to improve their hamstring technology? Uh, just <laughs> maybe they just need, maybe they just need to make steel hamstrings that you can order and and just you know have them implanted so that they just never give. I don't I don't know what the answer is for that. I, I'm going to make a million dollars, Steve. I'm going over to the Texans facility right now, and I'm going to say I've got your answer to no more hamstring injuries. All right, you do that. I mean, hey, Dan Pastorini figured out you know how to to play with broken ribs and not have too much of an effect. We need to figure out how to play with hamstring injuries. I, I don't know where the Texans go from here because uh, not, it's not getting any better. I mean, you've got the entire secondary is in shambles right now. It's going to be tough to win games. and You can't have games where the offense blows it possession after possession. And I don't know what's going to happen with the offensive line because I did, you, you wouldn't think that taking away the right tackle – was going to be as serious as it is, but I mean, it, it, with the Texans offensive line, it, it's, it's totally a house of cards. I mean, it's just like you, you could take one guy out any particular year and it, the whole thing seems to fall apart. And I, I don't know if I want to blame that on the offensive line coach or not. I kind of do, but uh, I mean, I, I don't know what else to do with that. I mean, it's just, we go through this every year. It's there's an injury and it just, it, it's not just, a little bit worse. It's a disaster. Well, and there's clearly that the Texans, I mean, they may have bodies, but they clearly don't have the quality of depth at some of these positions. And that's where, and, and that's where I think part of the line is, you know, just when they get together, just when it looks like they're in sync and they're really starting to perform well and they're getting the chemistry, you have a Titus Howard that goes out or you have a uh, Roger Johnson. Yeah, he went out for a little bit. You know, it's it's always someone that goes out and then you have to throw someone else in there that just hasn't played very much. So it's frustrating on a number of counts. Roderick Johnson looked good at left tackle, I thought, in the preseason games. He doesn't look as comfortable at right tackle. And now I don't know, you know, how serious his injury is. I mean, we're talking right after the game. He goes out. Dan Skip, whoever Dan Skipper is, goes into the game. To be honest with you, I don't know who that is, Stephen. <laughs> Well, they just signed him like what a couple of weeks ago, so he hasn't really he hasn't really seen much playing time, and he certainly got his share today. The the thing about the defense, we could talk about how bad the secondary is, but how about the dumbest penalty of the entire game for the Texans? And there was a lot of dumb penalties. We got a lot to choose from in this one. <laughs> yeah, but Bernardrick McKinney, I don't know what the hell he was doing. He basically hit Ebron in the head where the ball wasn't even near Ebron. Uh, it, it was a personal foul. It was so bad. That was the unnecessary roughness penalty, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't even, Steven, it wasn't even uh, a, a, a uh, it wasn't even like a holding penalty in the secondary. It wasn't a, a uh, pass interference. This was a personal foul penalty. When and it was way after the play, or the flag anyway, came in well after the play was over. Yeah, he does it almost the exact same time where the, the ball's going to somebody else. I mean, the ball's going to the receiver. And as the ball's about to go to the receiver, that's when he does it. I, I just don't, I don't know what that was, but that was, it was. And then Bernardrick McKinney like draws even more attention to himself by yapping at Ebron after the, I mean, the whole thing. I mean, McKinney's had some plays this year, but I mean, that's a, that was a big one. It's, it's a, it turns into a three points into a touchdown. And we might be talking about something different in this game if they could hold them to three points right there. But, I mean, it's just stuff like that garbage that they did all day. It was just like at the worst time, 
they did the dumbest thing they could do. And you can't play the rookie card with him on that because he's not a rookie and you can't say a lack of playing time because he's coming in for somebody who's injured. I mean, Bernard McKinney should know better. He's, he's definitely been around long enough to keep his cool in a situation like that. And again, it just looked like it was well after the play. It wasn't even during the play. So yeah, that, that I would have to say that's probably the biggest bonehead of when you, when you were saying what the biggest bonehead play was defensively, as far as penalties go, I was going, boy, you'll have to pick your poison there because there's a lot. But, yeah, I'd say that has to be the biggest one. Just for the sheer, you know, unnecessary part of that play, it just didn't even happen at all. Not a fan of the CBS crew ever. They're they're just not that good. It seems game to game, it's awful. I mean, Greg Gumbel's talking about how, oh, Bill O'Brien must be in a good mood because Penn State won yesterday. I mean, he, he spent two years there. Gumble. I mean, I don't know what. Yeah. That, I, what kind of loyalty you're expecting from from? from that sounds like a uh, trying to fill material kind of thing when you start putting stuff in like that. Then it, they also said that the Texans, going back to the penalties, they said the Texans were sixth in the NFL in penalties. But truth be told, there are a lot of teams in a tie for the top spots at this point in the season. So <laughs> there are basically 13 teams that has have as many or more penalties than the Texans. But just out of curiosity, Stephen, I thought, well, let me look at the penalties over the years because I I haven't really taken a good hard look at that, where the Texans rank. Last year, they were 20th. So, you know, they had a good year. The penalties equaled that. The year before, they were third in penalties. So, you know, oftentimes this stuff equates to the level of success that you have. The year before that, they were the least penalized team in the NFL. The year before that, they were 16th. So, you know, middle of the pack. His first year, they were 25th. Again, that was one of their better years. So they've been up and down. This is through OB's not really anything special at this, but he's not bad. I feel like he's kind of middle in the pack, pack as far as the penalties and stuff like that. But it just seems like some of these games, they're, they're at the worst situations and they stop drives and they continue driving. It's just all of that kind of thing. Well, yeah, as we said, a lot of those penalties came on third down. You know, the Texans actually led the league in third down conversion coming into this game at like 51.1%, but it was the Colts. What did they They probably had 80% conversion on third down, but a lot of that was helped by the Texans and all the penalties. So it wasn't just the sheer number of penalties that was concerning in today's game, but just where they were, as we've said you know, several times throughout the podcast of when they came that just it gave the Colts new life and they were able to score. I feel like I've rambled plenty and uh, uh, my frustration is, is obviously at its peak and I'm sure everybody's is. Do you have some rambling to do? What do you got, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I always have some rambling to do, but I I don't know this game. Honestly, I I just, I can't get, I'm frustrated because the Texans were in such a great position to be in the driver's seat you know, at the, at the midway or well, almost the midway point, they're now four and three instead of five and two. They could have been in first, stayed in first. I I mean, that's about where I thought they would be. But it's just the fact that they were doing so well and it looked like maybe they would actually exceed expectations. But then they go into Indy. I know they, they always seem to have trouble winning in Indy. And they always seem to have trouble against Jacoby Brissett. But look, it's not like this guy was Andrew Luck out there or Drew Brees or Tom Brady. But again, it's just a combination of so many things that happen that the Texans just can't seem to overcome. Whether it's 
a bunch of penalties, whether it's injuries at certain positions. I, I don't know. It's just it's always something. But the Texans just always seem to find a way to take a step back after they've taken a couple of steps forward. I think for me, that's the most frustrating part about it. It's just the whole big picture element. You know, we, we know that the defense was kind of up against it with all the injuries, but it just it's it, if next week it'd be something else if they lose again. Is our frustration at their inconsistency, Stephen, validated at all? Because I, the one thing that I, I think sometimes is we have this myopic look at our team, but the NFL's like this. It's like one week, teams look great. The next week, they, they don't look like they know what they're doing. I mean, uh, obviously, Tom Brady and the Patriots are like on some other, but they, they never play anybody good anymore. So I don't even know well, about that. Well, not this season. They certainly don't. Yeah. Um, well, and that's a good point. I guess my frustration just stems from year after year, the Texans seem to find something that pulls them back. You know, they, they had the winning streak last year, and then they stubbed their toe against the Eagles, uh, you know, which they could have gotten themselves home field advantage, but for one game or one this or one that. But you're right. I mean, look at the Chiefs. You think that they're jumping up and down right now because Patrick Mahomes is hurt. You know, that's certainly not something that they were counting on. So... Who knows how that's going to affect the Chiefs moving forward. Andrew Luck retiring. I mean, you can go back to that, and the, the Colts are saying, boy, our season's over. Andrew Luck's retiring. Well, you know, Jacoby Persett has, has proved that he's at least a capable quarterback to this point, and he, if he played the Texans every week, the Colts would probably be 15-1 and or 16-0. and They'd be undefeated because he's still undefeated against the Texans. So, yeah, every team has its problems. Every team has its injuries, and every team has its situations and bad calls and so I guess if you're a Texans fan, we just have to take a deep breath and put it all in perspective and realize, hey, we're, we're four and three. Hey, listen, we're still in better shape than the Dallas Cowboys are right now. Think of that. Yeah, that's good. That's nice. Uh, you know, we, we can we can always do that. Yeah, uh, it's good. I mean, the, the Texans, you're, you're just you keep waiting for them to make that next step. And I mean, that's I guess bottom line, that's the frustration a little bit with Bill O'Brien. It's the frustration with this franchise in general, you keep waiting for it to happen and it, and it doesn't happen week in and week out. Uh, even though the Texans are loaded with great players. I mean, let's talk about Deandre Hopkins, just a ho-hum day for Deandre Hopkins. No big deal. Nine receptions, 106 yards. He's right near the top. If not right there in, 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 uh, receptions this year, even though it feels like he, he's not doing what he usually does. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is fantastic. And J.J. Watt, not getting the sacks that he normally gets, but his presence was felt in this game. He had six quarterback hits. I mean, that's a ton. And he had a pass deflection. And J.J. Watt was the one, that fumble that got on the ground, J.J. was the one that knocked the ball away from the quarterback and gave the Texans a chance to recover it at the four-yard line. Yeah, the Texans still have impact players, certainly on defense. I mean, Whitney Merciless showed up today. J.J. Watts certainly does what he does. Sometimes it's sometimes it's quieter than you might expect. I mean, you expect him probably to make a sack on every two or three plays if if you're a J.J. Watt fan. But, I yeah, I don't know. Um, you just have to, to shrug it off because it's another week, and you're going to be playing the Raiders, and, and, and that's, again, a, a game the Texans should win. But underline that word should. But getting back to Bill O'Brien, Robert, I've made it no secret on this podcast. I am not a fan of Bill O'Brien. I don't like watching his press conferences. I feel like it's, uh, you know, it, it's almost as painful to watch as 
Zach Grinke's press conferences. Uh, I, I don't like a lot, of, a lot of his clock management. I mean, for years we've talked about how he screwed those up. I, I've, I've even said I think when the Texans open training camp, I don't believe the Texans will ever win a Super Bowl as long as Bill O'Brien is the coach. And I still believe that. I don't care if they're in a, at least a somewhat of a better position than we probably thought coming into the season. But I think it, a lot of it is boiling down to the leadership of Bill O'Brien and maybe even Cal McNair that maybe the Texans, they, they look like they want to keep taking that step forward, but they just can't quite do it. Yeah, Bill O'Brien even had one of his classic clock management situation. He, he could have taken a timeout before the two-minute warning. I thought he should have taken the timeout before the two-minute warning on, on one of the the snaps by the Colts and you know, he didn't, I mean, you, you're not, you're not getting the time back. I mean, you, you just, you take timeouts whenever you can to save time in that situation. Also, you know, we had to talk a ton about special teams outside of Kaimi Fairbairn, but I'm going to go back to Brian anger because first punt he has, it's great. You know, gets pins him inside the, the 20 yard line, but then he does one of the things that, is my pet peeve. It's one of my big frustration with punters, Stephen. He's at the 50 yard line. You aim for the quarter. You try to put the ball out at the five yard line. You don't give the receiver the chance to, to do anything. You don't risk that the ball might bounce into the end zone. You're in the perfect situation as a punter. This is what you should be training to do all week. And he puts it in the end zone. He, He punts it to like the inside the five yard line, but it's nowhere near the corner. And the ball bounces into the end zone. Well, and it's puzzling to me because he is a veteran. You know, Trevor Daniels seemed to have trouble with that, I guess, in in training camp and even the first couple of weeks. I I thought that the reason that the Texans re-signed Brian Anger was not only for the distance factor of the punting, but that he's usually pretty good at getting the ball inside the 20. So I don't know. That's why it was so puzzling to me why he didn't do it on that play. It's not like he doesn't or shouldn't know. I mean, the guy, what's he been in the league? Seven, eight years? So he certainly should know that. So, yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, Trevor Daniel's still available, but if the Texans really want to go out and sign him, and he seems to be a much better holder for Fairbairn all in all, although, you know, today Fairbairn certainly pulled his weight. But, yeah, Anger hasn't done the kind of job that I guess a lot of us felt he would when they re-signed him and cut Trevor Daniel. If you're looking at next week, you look at the Raiders and – They've won some games people didn't think that they were going to win. Uh, Derek Carr's kind of been checked down, Charlie. He's been a lot like his brother David at times. Uh, so maybe that'll help you because they're not going to be going down the field as much, and the Texans are pretty vulnerable at this point to down the field stuff. Lonnie Johnson, I thought, who had played pretty well as a rookie most of the year, didn't have one of his better games. He struggled. Uh, I don't know who your cornerbacks are going to be next week. I mean, are you going over there to work out, Stephen? I mean, how's your 40 time? <laughs> yeah, my 40 time's pretty slow. I don't think they'd want me. Um, maybe maybe we can ask, uh, let's see what RG's time is. Uh, but, yeah, it won't be me. It's funny. The Texans are now looking for a tackle. And the guys that they had as the starters in training camp, Matt Khalil, and what's the other guy's name again? Because I always forget because he never plays. Uh, Chantrell Henderson. <laughs> Chantrell Henderson. Well, I think he went on the – I think he's injured at the moment. Yeah. No, they're both gone. They're both yeah, done. They're both gone. Yep. And we, That's exactly right. I mean, you you would think at least if you had them as starters a few weeks ago that they could at least be quality backups at this point. But, nope, they're gone, both of them. 
Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's it's like the musical chairs, you know. You you it, they're retreads, I guess I call them. You sign them, you cut them. Somebody gets injured, you sign them back. Someone else comes back, you cut them, or or they get injured, and then you just let them go. So. Yeah, whatever a Dan Skipper is might be your starting right tackle next week. Uh, the, the 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 Texans they're going to have to really do the waiver wire search. And and the guy that was really good at it, kind of underrated, was Rick Smith. This is where you need Rick Smith because he used to find cornerbacks that were at least capable. Uh, he he was good at that. Guys off the waiver wire, guys like around the beginning of the season when you had some injuries and you're like, oh, we need a cornerback, and he would find that guy. Isn't that the old saying? You don't know what you've got till it's gone. You know, it's only after Rick Smith leaves that you suddenly start looking around and go, "Oh, you know, that was Rick Smith who did that. Oh, really? Oh, he signed that guy, or he cut that guy, and nobody's picked him up, so he must have known something we didn't." Yeah, it's funny how you look back over what a year and a half, two years ago, and you go, "Yeah, Rick Smith did some of those things." So, <laughs> don't know what to say about that. Looking at the final numbers. Uh... Deshaun Watson, 23 of 34, 308 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. You know, his numbers a little skewed because I thought there was a little prevent defense or, I don't know, by the Colts towards the, the last quarter. It just seemed like they were letting Deshaun do a little bit more, and, and the Texans got some easy ones. He, big, the big plays, obviously, by Kenny Stills. Hopkins had 106 yards on nine catches, but Kenny Stills, 105 yards on four catches with the 45 yarder is the longest. I, I thought QT would have a bigger game because he had those two big games against the Colts last year. Texans fall to number two in their division in the AFC South. And I mean, it's uh, it, it got to figure out a way to keep some momentum going and they're going to have to pick up some easy wins because the schedule uh, will get difficult here in a couple of weeks again, and hopefully they can sort of piece it together until they get to the bye week. They've still got a couple of weeks for that. But, you know, Texans fall 30-23. to 23. Uh, Look for more Astros, of course. Uh, as the week goes on, uh, we should have an Astros preview show coming up pretty soon, so keep an eye out for that. Until next time, though, we'll talk to you again on Houston Sports Talk. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.